I'm Siri Lindley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bad Head Chronicles. I'm Siri Lindley, your host, and today I am just beside myself. I have wanted this extraordinary woman on my podcast for years now, but I I don't know, I didn't have the courage to ask her. And who knows why? Because she's one of my best friends. I love her with all my soul. And her name is Linda Wallum. And if you don't know Linda Wallum, you are going to be receiving the most divine gift today of her presence and her time. Linda is a writer, a producer, a wife, an extraordinary friend, and someone whose wisdom and heart and soul and spirit will touch you today and will continue to live on in your heart forevermore. So Linda, and also one last thing I should mention, she is married to our other one of our best, bestest friends in the world, the amazing rock star, Melissa Etheridge. These two women came into our lives about four years ago only, but it feels like a lifetime because they are our forever soulmate friends. So Linda Wallum, welcome to the Bedhead Chronicles. Oh, Siri, you, you, boy, you make a girl feel good. I just like, wow, that is, thank you, honey. Oh my God, I'm thrilled to be here. This is such a gift. This is such a gift. Thank you. Thank my you. words are all true and I don't embellish. These are all the things I feel about you as a human being. And I know we were destined to become friends. A great friend of ours brought us all together. But tell me what you remember. All I remember on that first day when we all met is it was as if we'd known each other for a lifetime. It, it was as if, okay, here's, here's the thing. Um, my wife talks about vibes all the time. And it's about vibes. It's about vibration because we are... We are spiritual beings having a human experience and we all connect deeply with vibration. And when we met you too, it was like, pow, it was like, yeah, yes, yes. Oh, here, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. It was just instant and wonderful. And when that happens, it, you just know. And so we are so happy that we met you guys. You are such a, a gift in our lives. And I, I just love, I, I, I love you so well, we love you so much. And Linda, I can't wait for my listeners to get to know you. I want, if you could give us kind of the story of how Linda became Linda. And I think one direction I can send you in is everyone here, I want you to know that Linda Wallum is one of the greatest writers and producers. If any of you, like me, were addicted to the show Nurse Jackie, the brilliance behind that is right here in front of you, Linda Wallum. So I would love to know what took you down that path and eventually to led you to creating Nurse Jackie. 
Well, in a nutshell, um, I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, uh, born in Wisconsin, a Midwestern girl with um, my, my parents that, who are still together. They, they've been together since they were 14. They're 90 now. Um, and my two brothers. And I, I grew up in a really cool town. And the thing about Rockford is it had a lot of, uh, the community put a lot of energy into the park district and into a theater. And so um, we had extraordinary access to really talented people in theater at a really young age. And so uh, uh, all my, and uh, in my high school, they were more of a sports school. And, and, but yet I was, that's where I went to school and that's where I did plays. All my friends were across town at the Catholic high school and they were doing these amazing productions. I mean, it looked like uh, just Broadway. And these are friends that we all then would do community shows like Godspell or anything at this uh, thing called Rock Valley College. And it was called Starlight Theater and it's still there. And we would make, we just would talk about New York and making art and doing theater. And in 1979, when I graduated from high school, all of my friends, those friends of the Catholic high school said, let's all go together. Uh, my one friend, Bob, his mom was the travel agent at the local, I remember where her office was, uh, and she got us a real great deal. We saw seven shows in five days in New York City in 1979. And, and it was, it blew our minds. You know, we saw, we saw Gilda Radner live. We saw uh, Best Little Horror House. We saw, um, oh my God, uh, Nureyev dance. I mean, it was just like this amazing. And we all wanted to do that. We all kind of, and these friends, I have to tell you, went on to be, one was Joe Mantello, and he directed Wicked. Uh, he's an amazing director or actor. Bob Greenblatt was my boss at uh, when I at Showtime when I did Nurse Jackie. He became, and, and he became president of, of Warner Brothers, of NBC. I mean, the, and my friend uh, Sharon Sachs, actress, amazing actress. Dan Webster, amazing set designer. We were all just kids and we were lucky to see our dreams kind of come true and so from uh from that trip i went to college at university of minnesota in minneapolis and uh it was uh i was a theater major and uh i loved it and the other thing i loved is i i joined a sorority and uh that's when I first fell, uh, I fell in love with uh, somebody in my sorority and went, oh, this is going to be my life. Okay. So that was a fun, important moment. Yes. For it. Uh, and then as I'm finding myself as an actor, I'm also going, well, I don't, what do I want to do with this? this is, I don't want to go do Shakespeare. That's so not me. I, I always liked humor. I always thought humor was such an important tool from very young. I think even as kids, we use anything, you know, to, you know, dance for grandma, dance for, just to make, you know, anything to get that uh, ego biscuit that we would get from uh, people that liked our, that we, we, we made them feel better. It was such a wonderful, loved humor early on, loved it. And so uh, I'm in Minneapolis and there's a world-renowned improv theater, uh, a little even, I think it's even older than Second City and it's called Dudley Riggs Brave New Workshop. And it had started in the late 60s and was a real political cool workshop where they had a company that did, uh, it was, and it was a paid job. It was, you know, seven shows a week, 
and you would uh, write the shows with your company. There was five of you, always two women and three men, and you did these shows. And um, I got, I was cast in a, in a show there and I was thrilled because I just loved this place. And uh, it was actually a show called Night of the Living Bread. Uh, and it was a takeoff on Night of the Living Dead, but it was took place in a bakery. And we, <laughs> we, had, a, we had a wall filled with hands of bread that we made sing, you know. And it was uh, written by this guy named Peter Tolan who was from Boston, who came to Dudley Riggs and started writing these little musicals. Well, he then did another show. He said, I want you to be in this next show. It's called Miss America and Her First Act. And it was, Dudley Riggs had been doing it for 25 years, this <laughs> making fun of pageants. And so I said, yeah, I wanna be in this. And I was Miss South Dakota. And <laughs> I'll just say, the girl that played Miss California, beautiful redhead, she had a gown on. And then Miss, uh, Miss uh, New York had came out with a, arrows all over her <laughs> places. And then I came out with absolutely no grace whatsoever, but wearing a corn cob swimsuit. And it was <laughs> ridiculous and fun. And, and part of my talent was I, I, wrote, I sang a song called Herman. And I played my trumpet during it. I mean, it was just, and I got, it was so much, it was easy laughs because you're just making fun of South Dakota and a, a not a non-elegant girl in a pageant. See that, that's the stuff that always made me laugh was the incongruent thing in something, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, so in that, I mean, I didn't even mention actor, but this is how it all started really. Yes. And so from that to the, writing and the producing like what happened in between those two things to take you down that path what happened was uh after minneapolis uh peter said let's go to boston i have a friend who's starting a theater let's try to give us as a comedy team a shot and we were called it sounds like a law firm but we were called wallam and tolan and uh, we were, cause we were big fans of Nichols and May and they were uh, this genius man and woman from second city that did, well, Mike Nichols then grew up to be one of the greatest directors ever of film, you know? So anyway, I went to Boston, we became a comedy team. We went to New York. We, uh, I tell people we didn't have five minutes of fame. We had 14 seconds once in 1989. <laughs> And we did an off-Broadway show directed by Martin Sharnan, who wrote and directed Annie. And, and we did this really uh, fun off-Broadway show. And meanwhile, as I'm doing that, I'm also a singing waitress in a lot of these piano bars in Manhattan, which we loved. It was just a great way to make money. And I got to tell my parents I had a nine to five job. They didn't know it was nine at PM until four in the morning, but that's New York bars, you know, and it was a blast. It was a blast. And uh, uh, during that also, I was limo driving for a friend of mine. And so she, she, uh, she said, look, I, I, if you want to work for me, great. She's a dear, dear friend who has since passed, Gail Ricketts. She was just a dear friend who has a beautiful company owned and run by herself. And it was called Ready to Roll. Still is there, beautiful limo company. Anyway, so I drove for them back when she just had one town car and one stretch. And the, the stretch was always, uh, uh, always, always reserved for uh, top client Liza Minnelli. And he, she said, you're going to go pick up Liza. And I went, oh boy, okay. 
All right. She goes, here's your lesson. Because I didn't get a limo driving lesson. She said, uh, drive me home and I'm going to tell you a few things. She's because you drove me home, so I could change, get back in the car, drop her off, and go meet Liza for the first time. And so she's in the back of the car saying, Pretend I have, I'm Liza, I'm in a white gown, and I have a glass of red wine filled to the brim. Don't let me spill. And so you drive in Manhattan a whole different way. And I'm telling you, to this day, I still think about that. And uh, went and picked up uh, Liza, and he, she said, Oh, on your way, every day when you pick her up, have a New York Post folded and a pack of Marlboro Reds opened up. And I said, okay, well, this is back when, you know, cigarettes were nothing and a New York Post. So for three bucks, you got a pack because Liza never stopped smoking. <laughs> she smoked marbles like it was amazing. And from the moment we met, she just was so lovely, so curious about my journey. Uh, would, would, uh, because uh, we spent a lot of time together. It was a lot of days in a row. And, and she would say, well, come upstairs with me. And yeah, I mean, you know, up to her penthouse and we walk in and the hallway is, it's the hallway of all the war halls of her. Oh I mean, it's like, what? And, and from the moment I met her, I felt like, okay, first of all, I was the biggest fan. I just loved her, loved everything she was ever in. Um, you know, it's Judy Garland's eyes looking at you. And, and in a beautiful way, you find out just bless her heart, how many mother issues she had. And no wonder, you know, and to also be famous like her mom. And also she just wanted, uh, she just loved talent and loved art and loves, I love, I'm not saying love, she's still with us, but, you know, just such a, a cheerleader. And so I slowly, Okay, and this is fun. Am I talking too much? No, oh my God, this is heaven. This is exactly what I want. I love okay. this. So there's a couple stories that we'll all meet right now. And that is, um, as I'm, as I'm uh, working the piano bars, I'm driving Liza. We're getting ready to open the off-Broadway show. Um, uh, a, fr a friend of mine before work, again, we started work at nine. I mean, at night. She said, hey, I got tickets to Bruce Hornsby at the Beacon. This is 1989. Do you want to go? And I said, okay. I mean, I love live music. It was like, yeah. So, and here we are, the club we worked at, it was called uh, Broadway Baby. And it was on the Upper West Side. And it was in the, of all the clubs, really one of the nicest. And so we always dressed up to the, I mean, it, you were dressed up. So we were all dressed up going to this concert. So we go and, uh, I'll never forget because I, you know, this is 89 and, you know, uh, shoulder pads were big. So <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I had this shoulder pad, baby blue, big blazer, matching high-waisted pants, you know. Looking with, amazing. With big earrings. And back then I was actually blonde. I, I had to go blonde for a Woody Allen movie, believe it or not, called uh, uh, Alice. That was my first, that was crazy. Anyway, so I was blonde at the time. And then this has a point, I promise. And my friend Annie had this sparkly black dress on, sparkles. And so here we are at a Bruce Hornsby concert and it's maturity male, but you know, we're there and the opening act is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And her name is Melissa Etheridge. And it is her, I, I, I just was astonished. The talent and the honesty and the absolute uh, 
It's like what Liza called it, you know, it's possessed. It was just like an un, you can't, it was just like, wow. And she was singing these songs she wrote. It was just like seeing this really great poet, you know, and this is again with all my friends back in high school, anyone we'd see that was cool going, did you know how, oh my God, I just saw something amazing. And so I was blown away and uh, we left after she opened because, you know, I, we had to go to work. And plus, after you see that, I felt bad for Bruce Hornsby. I, I you know, <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, the next day in the car with Liza, uh, I said, Liza, I just saw the most amazing performer. And I started to tell her about it. Liza love, you know, smoking, smoking the marbles. <gasps> really? Tell me more. And, and I said, and I got to tell you one thing we'd like to do. I said, there's a song I think that you would just love. So I brought you, I think I had, I think I had picked up the cassette. Yeah. You know, was the cassette back? There? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, that? definitely. And, uh, it's just, it's her song, Similar Features. Well, Liza just flipped for it and she ended up getting an arrangement for it and singing it in her act when she would be like uh, right. doing an act with Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra. So it was like really cool. So I thought, good for you. That's really smart, right? And so years go by. It's not until, I don't even remember that until, okay, so, okay, I'm jumping around. Oh no, this is, first of all, I didn't know you have never told me this story so yeah. this is un so that's the first time you witnessed melissa yeah. it was her first tour it was actually the next day she filmed her video and that's the day that she met julie so it's like and this is all the stuff that time wise now that we're doing the broadway show i know the whole ends of that it's really like oh this has been a cool journey how we you know, I'll put a pin in Melissa now. I won't meet her again until 2001. So how many years between the day, the night you first saw her perform and thought, who is this woman? Yeah. She's amazing yeah. to, okay, we're going to jump around. I'm going to make you jump around. Okay. okay. You meeting her. I want to know okay. how did you meet Melissa the first time? Okay. The very first time. Okay. And I'll just fill in the little thing that'll, so this all makes sense. Yes. Well, so acting, uh, did a couple movies, uh, came out to California and uh, did a, did a uh, female, uh, brought a female variety show called She TV. And one of my castmates was Jennifer Coolidge. It was the most fun you could ever have. And it was, run by a couple named Bonnie and Terry Turner, who then were going to start a show called That 70s Show. Okay. Yes. So I did She TV and I did also the Carol Burnett show. I got hired as a writer actor on it. And no it way. Was, that was one of my favorites growing up. Well, this was her return to variety. I don't know if a lot of people saw it because it wasn't the same show we all were in love with, but it was a thrill to be there on that stage with my mentor. It was just like, oh my Amazing. God, loved her, loved her. And she came and saw me and Peter in our show. And that's what meant so much. And that's when I got hired. So anyway, from that to Carsey Warner, that, that was Bonnie Terry Turner, that she TV, Hey, come Wait, I got to back up. Before that was a show called Sybil, starring Sybil Shepherd. Loved it. Okay, and love her to this day. Yes. Just saw her last week. I love Sybil to pieces. Love her. So we did that show, and that was a Carsey Warner show. 
And Carsey Warner was this company, it's a studio that was Roseanne and Sybil and all these shows. And they were just a really cool studio that I went, God, you know what, acting, uh, let me just, I'll, I want to do this and I'll, I'll do little parts sometimes for fun because, you know, Sybil was a, I worked my way up to executive producer. And uh, I remember I was just telling Melissa, we were having a cowboy boot talk. This was, not, this was 19, early 90s. So I was always wearing cowboy boots so men could hear me coming because I was the only woman, you know, we weren't, there weren't many of us. So it was always, and I love being taller than the network president. <laughs> yes. Wow. He, he was so sketchy and always coming on to Sybil. And I was like, stop this nonsense. Go, go away. God. And he later uh, got fired from his job in big, big lawsuit. So anyway, yeah, it was just uh, this stuff. So you were breaking barriers way back then. And it was really right. fun. Cause, and yeah. also it was just like, what's the matter? Where this is supposed to be fun. Stop being idiots. Let's go. You know, so that doing five, uh, four years on Sybil, right into four years on that 70s show. And then here we come up to, to Melissa. Okay. So it's not, it, now it's 2001. And I've been at Carson Warner a while and we've done the four seasons of 70s show, which I loved. I love those yeah, kids. I love the whole experience. It was really fun to put my Midwestern stuff into that. And it was just, I loved, loved that show. Uh, but they were saying, hey, let's do that 80s show. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'd like to, yeah, let's give it a shot. So I wrote a pilot and in the pilot, I wrote this woman that runs a record store in this small town of Rockford. It was more about my town now. Yeah. And uh, I wanted her to be somebody just like my hometown that, and near Chicago, lots of rock and roll roots. I wanted sort of a Yoda persona to who knew music to run the record store that the kids were always at. And so I was talking to Cecily, who was my beautiful, Cecily Adams, my beautiful casting director. I said, dreamless, you know, for that part, I'm just going to say it, Melissa Etheridge. And I went, oh my God. And I just remembered, I saw her all those years ago and how badass, but I had seen her do, you know, I'd seen her on uh, some performances. I hadn't seen her live, but I had seen her do this show called Beyond Chance on Lifetime. And it always made me laugh because she's going, Welcome to Beyond Chance. And it's just like, huh, she has no idea how good she is on TV. She has no idea. And it was just like, this is fun. This is going to be fun because I think she could be amazing. Well, Cecily calls her manager, her, her agent manager, and yeah, she'll come in. And I was like, oh, cool, far out. So we set up a meeting, not just with me, it was with the whole, with Carsey Warner, the company, because they, and Bonnie and Terry, because they were overseeing this production. And uh, so there we are in a meeting. And uh, well, I, I went up to Carsey Warner's office. And I, I, I went up the stairs and I saw her sitting right there, her back. I was like, cool, there she is. And she stood up and I went, hey, uh, I'm, I'm Linda Wallum. Uh, nice. Okay, nice to meet you. And she was battling back up. She was told, Oh, you're going to meet the showrunner. Okay. And the showrunner in, in, in TV means you're running the show. You know, you are the showrunner of the show. She thought it meant it was the runner, like, oh, she's going to get me tea. Okay. So <laughs> apparently, then I come in and sit down, and part of her went, oh, well, maybe she's more than a showrunner because she's sitting in this meeting. And this is where we, 
we talked just a little bit and I said, hey, we're just so glad that you're here. And we just think kind of gave her the idea of the part and what it would feel like. And that I think you are a really underused um, commodity on television. I, I think uh, you're great. And so uh, we just all wanted to meet you. And they, everyone was so charmed by her. And uh, I did a really naughty thing that broke every rule in the world. Uh, she had a, I think she was leaving for a concert or a tour again. So I took her to say, I said, come on, let's go down the set. And I put her on camera. And that's so wrong. You can't put an, a, a talent on camera until you make a deal. Okay. I think what, it's a great idea. I love this. But it was like, I was going to do it, damn it. So I, what I did is, so we're on the set of that 70s show and uh, it's the living room. And uh, I cleared everyone out and said, give me one camera and I'm going to film her. And I gave her the, and I read the scene with her and uh, got it on camera. And, uh, and then we, as I walked her back out, you know, I think she put it together. Oh, this is the woman that will be running a show because <laughs> it's like, it's like rock and roll, you know, it's a, it's a male dominated business. So, uh, but she was so, so buoyant and funny and smart and, uh, we just, you know, hit it off right away. And uh, then we um, we exchanged emails and uh, it didn't work out because of our tour schedule because of what we, you know, you shoot over a matter of like, like darn, I said, but gosh, I think you're great. And let's talk about something in the future I would like to work with you on. And a uh, little did you know what that big thing would be in the future at that point in time. Right, right. So, I, you know, it was, it, we became friends. We became really good friends. I was in a relationship at the time, and uh, they and 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 Melissa was with Tammy, and uh, we all just became friends. You know, having dinners together, go over the house, let's watch. Oh, we found out we were big football fans, huge football fans, and losing uh, teams though, but big football. Yeah, the big football fans. And, and let's just talk about who. What are your respective teams? Just so everybody. Okay, Melissa is a diehard Chiefs fan, Kansas City Chiefs, and that's AFC, so all good. I'm an NFC lifelong Green Bay Packer fan, and uh, I bleed green and gold, and it's just, I'm so glad I married into an AFC family, though, because the Chiefs are so good, so it helps. But I'm having the most unusual, weird football relationship I've ever had, because Aaron Rodgers isn't my quarterback anymore. He's, he's, He's with someone else and it kind of hurts. It's yeah. like, how do I root for him? I can't root for him. What do I feel? Oh, so anyway, those are our football. So we, that's, we became friends for years. And, and then I had another relationship and she was always there through them. And, and, uh, uh, but there was know, never, it, well, I guess you were both in relationships. So you weren't even we thinking were, about, we were just best friends. I mean, it was just yeah. like, Oh, you're like my brother. You are awesome. And then you know, back to the first day we met, because I had read her first book. And I said, were you really born on May 29th, 1961? And she said, yeah. I said, I was born May 29th, 1961. I said, what time were you born? And she said, uh, I was born at, I think, 12 something uh, Kansas City time. I said, I'm five hours older and wiser. Because, I mean, to be born- Five hours. That five is un- Believable. Yeah. So that that was like, wow. So from the moment you meet somebody and you kind of click and you have 
that point of reference, I mean, we always knew the point of reference. Where were you in 1980? Where were you in 1974? What was your favorite movie? And that, there's just such a, and she was just so much fun. And again, I was surprised the world did not know how funny she was. She was just really well, funny. Both of you. And what I love from the very beginning of our talk is how you talk about how you love making people laugh and, and you loved humor, you loved singing, you loved, and everything about what you were doing all the way back then is what makes you you and that is someone that loves to heal like like you are i see you both as such beautiful and powerful healers melissa through her music i mean she healed me oh, a 20 year old she healed me she she you know held my hand you know not literally but through the whole process of discovering i was gay and coming out and all of that like i felt like I had someone that had my back and was by my side in every moment. Like she heals yeah. millions through her music. Yes. You heal. Every single human that comes in contact with you, Linda, you heal, which is why I wanted you on this podcast and, and you'll all understand. But I love the point I'm trying to make is that all the way back then, you were you loved these things that probably felt healing to you absolutely i didn't know i did not know just how healing and yeah. i didn't know that i could i could participate more in the creation of it you know yes. on a daily basis and the healing of so siri that's to, to to connect the healing with art art is healing it is it is our that's one of the coolest things about being humans is that we celebrate each other's creations because if anything we are put on this earth this journey is about creating you know yes. and and to then connect creation with healing is like i, I didn't realize um I, I did i this will bring me back to nurse jackie now uh nurse jackie was was came into my life after um after I left Carsey Warner and I did, oh, I also did a show called The Comeback with Lisa Kudrow. Everyone look it up. It's a genius show. She's genius. I love her so much. So do I. Love her so much. Uh, and after that, this opportunity to do a show called Nurse Jackie. At the time it was called Nurse Betty and it was a script that had been written, but it was all really surreal. And the doctors hung from the ceiling like bats. Oh. It was all really weird, but there was something there. And so basically I got to, um, uh, we, we had to give credit to the guy who wrote the first one. His name was Evan Dunsky and I'm grateful for that. And I wrote it with uh, a writer named Liz Brixius, really smart writer, really great. And we wrote it together and it was about, cause we both had our own history of addiction. I had gone to Betty Ford in the early nineties and she was also sober. So to do a show about addiction and it was about a nurse who, who could heal others, but not herself. Yes. That's what, that's where I got to use comedy and drama in a way that I thought was really powerful and really, really healing on so many levels, um, including my, um, one of the, I, I, I mean, you can watch the show on Netflix now. I, I have only seen season one through four. I never saw after I left the show because that's when I left to come home and get married and be with the family. And uh but if you watch season one through four, uh, it, it, it's it's my heart and my 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 uh, my point of reference, my point of view of healing, and you know 
really understanding now with more time too, that healing is not, oh my God, a pill is going to fix me. I got to find a way to be much more active on a moment to moment basis with where I'm at. And I know now that my momentum of how I'm feeling, it can be upstream or downstream. You know, what do, is going to completely with fiber back to vibrations uh, affect me. And so I know now, oh my God, why did I do this? Oh, I should have, I should have. Oh, I got to get out of that. Within 17 seconds, they've done studies, 17 seconds, you go down that road, it's hard to stop the momentum. If I can get off of it right away and instantly, it's this simple. Think of a joyous thought. Think of something that makes you happy in that moment, in that moment, get there. Because if ever you walk or reach for something thinking this, that's going to fix me or that person's love is going to fix me or or if I buy that, that's going to fix me. It won't. And, and, and it's the greatest life lesson. I mean, I'm 62 now and I wish I could go back and because I spent my uh, half my life ago, I spent my 31st birthday at Betty Ford going, Linda, you are the biggest loser. Happy birthday, loser to you. Not only that, it makes me laugh now, but I went into Betty Ford and got my 60 day chip. Nobody does that. Everyone comes in and they take the bottle from you. I was a good student from the moment I got there and I was so stressed out my whole sobriety. I was really, really stressed out, which brings me to another healing point, which uh, now that Melissa and the beautiful Etheridge Foundation, and we've really explored the power of plant medicine, I understand now how much, like even if having a, been able to microdose psilocybin when I was taken into Betty Ford, it would help, it would have helped me so much. And I think there's a future conversation for wellness that includes not just that, but includes, look, we're going to take you into a meditation situation right now. We're going to give you a little psilocybin we're going to walk you through and then we're going to sense around you it surrounds you with melissa etheridge music and then we're going to you know i know in my heart that 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 wellness is about is about touch is about uh self being involved in your, with yourself is about music is about vibration it's about food it's about all and sleep and water <laughs> and now i'm this is what my wife has really helped me Help me understand because I've seen it. She's 19 years cancer free. Unbelievable. And my Amazing. my wife, that 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 human is is gluten free, no dairy. Is she is made of water, cannabis, and joy? You know that's so, that's Linda. Let's dig into this a little deeper because one part of what I'm hearing, and which is what I talk to my audience all the time about is owning every aspect of our lives, which is catching ourselves in those negative thoughts. And before the 17 seconds is up, being able to redirect and change the channel to thoughts that serve you. But also it sounds like, because we see this all the time, people get addicted to whether it be alcohol or drugs, and they're looking for the answer outside of themselves if they're looking at all sometimes they're in a space where it's there's just no hope anywhere right when really it sounds like you had to understand that you needed to participate in your own rescue is that yes. is that fair to say that yeah. there was no answer outside of you but yes. it meant almost um 
because we often run away in the doing, right? Did it require you to be more with you? And what did that look like? And, and also, if you can explain a little bit more deeply to people that don't even understand what plant medicine is, ah, okay, you can share that as well. Yes, it's just, oh, this is such a great conversation. I'm, I'm loving everything. This is just, Thank I love you. it so much. Um, Thank you. Uh, it's, you know, we, we are, especially this generation, for the last, how many years? I, I'll start the story this way. When I was growing up, one of my dear friends, one of those really great theater people that I grew up, his, his dad ran Lens Pharmacies, right? And it was small, and you rarely went in for prescriptions rarely right maybe penicillin maybe you know and now just to see what's happened to cvs and all of these it's become our country has really uh become addicted to pharmaceuticals and i mean don't get me wrong some are amazing and wonderful yeah. it's just uh there's there's been a, a shift now where it's uh, i i think until we until people really stop and go okay before we give you all this medicine and before, I want you to think about it too. What are you eating? Are you sleeping? What is, and this is where I'll spread the word about Gabor Mate and his new book, The Myth of Normal. It is amazing. And his theory is how can we address addiction until you really take individual, each individual's um, experience with trauma? because everyone's going to be different how they handle things. And so, and it doesn't have to be uh, awful and gooey going into therapy and going back. It's just sort of like a awareness. I mean, honestly, if you made a decision, like I want to write down 20 things I want to let go of. And you made that decision that day, it's done. I mean, if you really stuck to it, rather than you don't have to drag anything out, you don't have to, uh, uh, my sweet parents, you know, they came to Betty Ford and we had, therapy and one with my dad and one with my mom and it was like oh this is gonna be a disaster because it's like parents don't really need to honestly be there they yeah. don't you can get there without them because they're all confused and like it's my fault right it's like no boy ah okay <laughs> so <laughs> again i didn't know this is all research later for uh for uh, nurse Jackie. And, and also I had a beautiful angel I was in, in there with, and I can share because she has since passed, but she's talking about this, a beautiful writer named Molly Ivins, who um, is just, look her up if you can. It was genius. And to have her, she was my fairy godmother. I used to smoke cigarettes together and just loved her. And she used to say, gather, get your butterfly net out, gather everything you see and put it in your art. And it was like, oh man. So Anyway, that's awesome. Uh, so, I love that. So plant spirit. Okay. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll do a real simple example of cannabis. We call it cannabis because marijuana was sort of a slang and kind of used in a, not a racist way. So that's what we call it cannabis has been really effective, especially for cancer patients. So uh, like what, how it helps with the pain and helped Melissa so much. I watched it. I witnessed her go through cancer and the only relief she had, and that was deep pain, was the cannabis. So I wanted to, back in 2008 or nine, do an episode where there's an old nurse that actually uh, helped mentor Jackie, who's dying of cancer, and they're not letting her have cannabis, so Jackie makes makes her an apple bong, and that's what something you used to be able to, to polo out an apple, and it would be like, you put a little cannabis in it, and you could make it. And so the episode is called the Apple Bong. And it's one of my favorite episodes we did. 
and it stars uh, Judith Ivy, who's an amazing actor, and her and Jackie, you know, with an apple bong. And it's the point being, as nurses, even they knew this does not hurt anyone. It is not addictive. It is going to help, help rather than giving me twelve pain pills. Please let my own body. And that's what plants do. Plants have done this for us forever. I mean, vegetables, there's a reason green, eat your greens. You know, there's a reason. It's just like, and it can give us such energy, what it does for each cell of our body. And, and honestly, America, I mean, I was one of them too. There's days that you just got to go a Snickers bar and, and uh, what's that chicken place everyone goes, Chick-fil-A is not going to give your cells the energy of say, beautiful greens and fish and you know so right. what we've learned about plant spirit is people are more open to going hey if there's another way that if if i could tell you okay at age 40 if you spend a, a few a focus time really make a commitment to looking at yourself and what you're eating and everything if i promise and, and actually be open to experimenting with plant spirit i promise you would be healthier when you hit 50 than if you didn't and all that would be is, uh, uh, again, drinking more water than you ever thought you could drink. It is uh, maybe sitting, you know, understanding how psilocybin works. Again, it now comes in a pill form that you could microdose, a small dose. And what it does, it doesn't make everything swirly. That's more ayahuasca. That's a more advanced, beautiful journey uh, that... Uh, I have done. And will I do it again? No, but it was very powerful. It was really powerful. And what I learned through this journey through cannabis and through that is, is like, wow, there's another way to open your mind to healing. Mm -hmm. And it shows you different things to go, oh, what if I got up and moved my body every day instead of taking these pills? What if I slowly, and I'm, I, you know, this past year, I've slowly gotten off some pills from, I had a a crazy incident about a year ago, June, and I, um, and let me know if I'm talking too much again. Oh, we, this is what I was going to ask you about, because all of this has, your understanding and your passion for this has built up because you yourself have just, you know, not too far in the past, had your own real kind of scary health issues. So if you wouldn't mind sharing this, this whole story. I I didn't realize about three years ago, I was starting to have some issues. I didn't even know. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know that uh, <coughs> I, I had a bad kidney. And turns out um, I had a twin sister when I was born, but she died before she was a year old and she died of kidney disease. So there was always this thing over like, oh, it could be kidney disease. And I always, I don't want to buy into that so but i did find out that oh my kidney is is having a little hard time and i was losing a lot of weight and i just wasn't focused and i know we just talked about this that time we the last time we saw each other before i was in the hospital i remember just being i just wasn't didn't feel as present i felt everything was just kind of swirly yeah you know and and uh so and melissa had a uh, she was doing city winery in new york and um, we, she had a show and I was just not doing well and food was just tricky. And uh, 
we got on the train to go to Boston and I just say, it goes fade to black because I don't remember. And then I woke up at the IC, in the ICU at Mass General, uh, which turns out to be the best hospital in the whole world to be in if you have what I had, which was I had a blood clot uh, and it was in my aorta and uh, the beautiful, beautiful uh, doctor who um, she, I had so many women around me, nurses and women that were just amazing. And uh, I was uh, I was on life support uh, and after the surgeon came out and I, I didn't know how did I end up here? I had no idea. And uh, sweet Melissa, God love her. Uh, Cause we made a promise is I don't ever, you can never cancel a show. Don't ever. Uh, and our beautiful friends, Michelle and Paula happened to be there. So they, they took me to the hospital. They were with me the whole time. And then when Melissa came and it was like, okay, what have I done? What has happened? And, you know, again, there was a blood clot and there was, I think there were, it was a clot in my stomach too. And that's why I wasn't eating. And, uh, and uh, they, um, they said I had something called uh, antiphospholipid syndrome. And it was like, okay, we'll deal with whatever. You know, it's just like, wow, I just need to, I, I didn't recognize myself, Siri. I didn't, I didn't, I, I was, this was my uh, really come to Jesus moment with myself because uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know that I was clotting. I didn't know my blood was, I mean, it's funny clotting blood am I letting life flow or not you know this is a big this is okay let's because I can no more resistance I think I had uh I had a tough a tough couple years of resistance there Uh, you know like many people did with COVID and then uh uh the the year before we had lost a family member of Joe who was a my cousin and a real member of the family and uh he had decided to leave this earth and it was really it was that was a tough one and it wasn't too far from the house and it was like oh okay and then when i'm the moment i found out i was actually in our closet meditating and then a year went by and I was in the same closet and that's when uh, we found out about our son Beckett. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I remember, and again, thank God for comedy. I remember saying to myself, what's with this freaking closet? Yeah, no more meditating in the closet. No more Never did again after that. Never did again. And um, and so I think through, through Beckett and bless his heart, we feel his spirit so much. And I hope everyone knows that we're doing great. And his spirit is doing great. And the Etheridge Foundation, because of him, so many people are going to be helped. And again, for those who don't know plant spirit, uh, a lot of people don't understand just like pharmaceuticals because they have research. Well, now we are getting our foundation is making grants so the research can happen and the research can show. And it is already showing that especially psilocybin in certain forms can really take help to, and get rid of opioids. Opioids never should have been on the market and they know it. That with fentanyl, it is a death sentence. It is too powerful of a chemical. Our bodies can't, you know, our bodies are meant to, to, um, to be healthy and to, and to be involved in the, you know, the breathing and the moving. And it's exciting because you're part of it, not, oh, they need to give me this and they need to give me that. That's, if that's, a, if that's the story you're going to tell, I mean, that's, 
my wife and I talk about this all the time. We do create our own reality, Absolutely. you know? And, and my sweet wife, every day, she will start her day with, how can I be of service to love today? Yeah. And start your day. Because she'll say, and it's so true, you either come from love or fear, love or fear. Yeah. Every choice is one or the other. And I, I want to hit the love linker every time because I don't, I don't want to hit, because I, I, I just know now, Siri, after, I mean, it's like so beautiful with talks with you and talk, not just that. And, and, and books like this. I'm just going <laughs> to. so uh, sweet. I'm well, telling you, it is a new conversation on the table and it's exciting it as hell because we can all share. We love, we love being together and we're not meant to be against each other. Everything and what's going on with all this rah, rah, rah is just, I feel sad. It's a bunch of unhealthy people who. But it just, takes, right. And it takes you and I and Melissa and Beck and everyone listening here yes. to make the commitment to lead with love, to yes. live from love, love, to understand that we all have fears and they'll pop up, but yes. how can you become aware of that, recognize it and replace it with love? A loving oh thought. It becomes addictive if you get to the point of you look at it yourself as a bookshelf, like you're cleaning out all the old books that you never read. And you're putting these big chunks of, oh, wow, love, love. It just all of a sudden, it's an automatic knee-jerk love. That, that Absolutely. You're not because this idea of like, oh, oh, or oh, no, I'm afraid that. If you're starting any sentence with, oh, I'm afraid that. Or me through this whole year, because all of a sudden I had, um, I, I guess when I was just coming out of, I called all my nurses, Nurse Jackie. So, you know, whatever, but I, you know, and they slowly learned who I was. And I, I got to tell you my love for nurses that I had during Nurse Jackie, it is tenfold because those women at Mass General and then here when I was back that would come check on me. Yeah, I, I can't, these women, you know, it's, it's our other men, um, mantra we had on Nurse Jackie is that, you know, doctors just check on you, nurses heal and, and, just, just from the moment they walk in with their vibe, it's just, I, I, and they helped me stop saying, I'm sorry, because every time I would ask for something, oh, I'm sorry. And they go, Linda, this is what we do. You stop saying you're sorry. And I didn't realize saying I'm sorry all the time. That's collateral damage. Yes. Yes. You know? It's it's like hail droppings on your car and there's dents. It's like, oh, I don't need that. Let me get away from that in 17 seconds if I can, because you know what that that's it it just gets it just gets crisper life gets a little cleaner and crisper that way yeah you know? and i want to take this moment because i agree with you and in my survival there were so many unbelievable female nurses and a few men male nurses that they really are they are the ones keeping you afloat you know when it gets really hard so i love that you're honoring those people that you know um, helped you move through this. And I wanna take a moment to honor them as well. In this, Linda, and we've often talked about this together, you know, just hanging out, is it's these really hard, dark moments or periods of time where we have the most profound discoveries about life, about ourselves, how we've been living, how we must live, what we want, what matters most. So there's always a gift, right? There's a beautiful gift in our struggles, 
that you don't really recognize while you're in it, but it becomes very clear when you're on the other side why that had to happen. Yes. Yes. So so I want to talk about that, but I also want to just acknowledge and say how grateful I am for you and Melissa here. You went through this really difficult time, you losing Joe first and then both of you losing Beckett to, you know, to an overdose, right? In that you have created something beautiful that is going to save so many lives and that's your foundation. And that's the research you're doing and the work that you're doing. And what a beautiful way to honor both Beckett and Joe's spirits and souls. So you took your pain and you've used that to bring love to bring healing into the world. And I love this so much. You did that through Nurse Jackie. You, Melissa does that through her music. You did it through your acting, through your writing, what you're gonna be doing together on Broadway. So in this, like, what is your belief? If there are people on here that are really struggling right now, what can you tell them about where they are now and what to think about as far as the future goes? Okay, I would say what is what is happening right now in your moment, right? Because all we have is this moment, this moment to either, again, love or fear. Fear, I'm going to sit and wallow in this emotion. Love, I'm going to get up. I'm either going to take a nap. I'm going to eat something. I'm going to get something to drink. I'm going to get away from this energy. I'm going to get away. When we realize we self-create these vibes, and we can change the vibe, then you can start thinking, okay, you know what, tomorrow, maybe I'm going to get up every day and, and I'm going to move, you know, I'm going to drink a little more water. I'm going to, I'm going to also catch myself when I'm in these moments. I was going to say that it really has, what I've learned is, um, meant to turn my ringer off before, sorry about that, um, that, that going through this, these past couple of years now, I realized the more, the sharper I am when stuff happens, including including really hard moments. Those are the moments that you all, even more so, if you can breathe and keep telling yourself, you're okay, you're not alone, you got this. Don't be like, <gasps> you know, or just just lean into it. Lean into it and breathe. It's, it's because I promise you there's clues. So that that's all this is right now. So I promise our own minds can be the darkest critics and the worst writers. They can just write and go, I'm doing a rewrite. I don't like your write, writing of what my story is right now. And I promise you guys, you just, you can't eat an elephant in one bite. You got to do it one little thing at a time. And a lot of times I, I guarantee you these thoughts happen when you're eating something bad or you're just watching TV or you're just like, ah, you know, it's just like those you got to catch yourself and go, okay, can I do a walk? Do I need a nap? What do I need just to move and then slowly move into a better and better thought? It just be kind to yourself. Do not beat yourself up. We don't realize how, how much during the day this critic goes on. It's just, uh, we can edit that, you know, and, 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 and Siri, you and I were talking about this the other day about we literally hug ourselves. Okay. And just go, okay, you're doing great. Good job. Good job. We hug ourselves the way that we hug others, you know, it's just like, 
I, I always wanted people to feel that love for me that I'm giving them in a hug. Well, my God, who needs it more than anything, you know? That's, oh my God. And that just, when we had that conversation, cause I do this all the time, I go to bed, you know, like this and you know how they, people used to say like, love others, like you would love yourself. Yes. And I say, don't do that. Oh God, none <laughs> of us, you know, it's so hard for people I feel to love themselves yes. as they would love another with that kindness, with that support and understanding and compassion. Yeah. So really love yourself like you would love others. And in moments when you are struggling, you know, let's all try to give ourselves what we need most from others, let's give ourselves that first, rather than relying on it coming from an outside source, because it's up to you first. Amen. And Amen. so you know how to do that. I know how to do that, guys. Don't worry if it looks funny, like this is a real deal. You know, this is self-love, this is self-soothing. So in this, Linda, and I love how you say, like, it's, it's kind of a, a pattern interrupt when you are going in the rabbit hole with these negative thoughts or these negative yes. emotions yes. you're stuck in a pattern and so and here listen if everyone can hear a big record scratch and get out of that rabbit hole just pop on go oh good good I'm, I'm not going down there anymore because before you know it you're on the 14th floor 17th floor third ow. it's a much higher climb out be up of out of it and you can catch yourself all day long go oh good job okay we got out of that ah you know right and, yeah yeah but what you said like you're offering because if you're going to interrupt that pattern you need to replace it with a different one so what is that new pattern going to be for you is it going to be movement serious oh. look up our serious squad created right here with linda yes. and melissa get up and move that seems to be your go-to maybe it's meditating maybe it's finding something to appreciate maybe it's drinking a glass oh, of water. it's meditating it's getting water it's walking it is it is, uh, it is, it's, you just stack all these things that help make it easier to go to a loving, joyous thought. Because yes. again, from the, from the premise that we were here to create, get yourself in the best position go, Hey, what am I going to create today? You know, yes. whether it's a talk with you, or I'm going to, I'm going to work on Melissa's Broadway show today, or we're going to, you know, do this, do that. It's like, what am I, what am I creating today? I'm going to make myself, I'm, I'm, you know, going through these these health things right now and all I drink a lot of bone broth you know and so okay. I'm making myself loving bone broth every day it's like doing different things that that uh raise your game you know because we all we all are here to have joy we're all here to have love and it can be we can get out of our own way it's just we don't realize sometimes that we forgot to put our shoes away when we get up in the dark and walk in the room you know Absolutely. And in this, if you want to find it easier, guys, think about like in the past in, in, you know, what are the things that give you energy? What are the things you do that make you feel alive? What are the things you do that make you feel confident or strong in those moments when you least feel like it, go do those things. Yes. And yeah. in that you're going to be again, like Linda's saying, lifting yourself to a better energy space where you can then, you know, come from love. And find things to appreciate. So I love this, Linda. Now I have a question because I, I love um, you sharing the story of how you and Melissa ended up actually not being friends anymore. 
but deciding to spend the rest of your lives together because you've been married since 2014. Is that right? Yeah, it'll be 10 years next year. Yeah, next and, 10 years. And, and side note, how guided do you feel this whole journey has been? Completely. I, I, first of all, I'm married to the most beautiful human. I am, I am over the moon and I, there's nobody I love talking about more than her. And, uh, we, you know, it's fun because the twins are out there with her now and, and, uh, she's, uh, she's taking them to the movies today. And so we FaceTime, you know, five times a day and it's just, and she's, and she's the greatest mom. She really is. I mean, she's just, uh, okay. So how, how we ended up together was, uh, I, I was, um, I was, I sold my house when I started doing Nurse Jackie because we shot in New York. So, um, when I would come home, uh, when we weren't shooting, uh, Melissa said, look, you know, Tamara and I have split up. Uh, I have an empty room, kids, and I love the kids. I mean, I've known Bailey and Beckett since they were, you know, so little, four and, and and a half, you know? And so it's like, oh yeah, okay, I'll come stay. She goes, plus I need the help. I was like, hey, cool. I'm, you know, I'm on hiatus, sure. So actually where I'm sitting right now, there used to be a fold out couch. This used to be my first room. No way. Oh my goodness. And, and by the way, guys, look in the background. I think I see an Academy Award. Yeah. There's <laughs> and there's a few. Tell us what, what are those four awards up there? Just for people that won't know. Oh, there's, yeah. There's a couple Grammys. There's an Oscar. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, you're all getting a sneak peek. I've seen it in person. He's going to put a Tony there after oh, this. Yes. Okay. We're going to talk about that as well. Okay. So you move in, you're on your pullout couch. Yes. Okay. And I'm helping taking the kids to school and, uh, you know, the, the twins are little, you know, they're, they're little. And so it was, it was, uh, and there was, she was having shared custody, uh, with both houses. So it was just, uh, uh, it was, it was great taking the kids to school, making dinners and, and, uh, uh, again, I was hanging with my best friend, you know, right. and, and uh, uh, one day we were in the kitchen. She said, this is the moment, but I remember this moment. We we're in the kitchen and she was kind of, we were kind of frantic trying to get the kids breakfast and stuff. And she goes, where's the sippy cups? And I said, well, dear, they're in that drawer right to the left. And she just said the way I said that felt all, all of a sudden her best friend. Rrr. So we, um, uh, started talking and I actually brought Roach the subject. Yeah, hey, why don't, and she's like, no, 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 I, what? We're best friends. And then once, uh, <laughs> one time she kissed me in the backyard and she ran really fast, just like the song. And uh, then the next night uh, we stopped being scared. So it was pretty awesome, so. That is so beautiful. And this is something we have in common because those of you that know Beck and I, we were friends for 20 years before we were brave enough to look at each other differently. So I love this so much. You two together are, I mean, I think you two are two of the most beautiful souls that I have ever had the privilege and joy of knowing and your friendship means everything to us right but back to you honey right back you have no idea you have no idea so we go from this place and now i mean 10 almost 10 years you've been together let's pivot 
to last fall, I think it was you guys, uh, my wife and I went to New York City to watch um, our amazing friend, Melissa, and her incredible wife, Linda, off-Broadway for the first time, right? This is the first time anything like this has happened. Um, And it's her show called My Window. And at the end of it, I mean, it was so unbelievable. We ran into your room after the show and said, uh, like, I'm like, this is going on Broadway. And you're like, whoa, 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 I don't know. And I was like, no, trust me, like this belongs on Broadway. It was so phenomenal. So share a little bit about this. And you play a big, big role in this. You're not just sitting there watching, you're actually writing Melissa and I have been writing this together and uh, we actually in some ways have been working on this for years because uh, back again when we were doing TV, I always was pitching and we did. We we actually sold a show about her life three times and and about how crazy and beautiful her real life is, you know, in a, in a variety show format. It was really cool, but fell through. But um, we've been writing this for a long time, but realized, oh, it wasn't supposed to be until now. And so uh it, it's a joy because she's a Broadway baby too she's such a Broadway geek she's so loves Broadway in high school she was loving the same albums I was you know Godspell Jesus Christ Superstar you know all the shows and so to do this and take her story and she's so fluid with it she's just a natural and she's so great with the audience and so great with the themes and so well now we're at a bigger theater it's called Circle in the Square it's uh right on, I believe, 51st Street, right next to Wicked. Uh, And it's a beautiful space. It's a little different than where the off-Broadway was because this has, the seats come down kind of like this. And then there's there's kind of a runway in the middle and seats. So it's more of a inclusive, you know. So uh, we have Kate back. She plays the roadie. Uh, She's amazing. amazing She doesn't have one line and she does the art of, clown work and as as Melissa's roadie because we love Jesse his her real life roadie but he has to really be backstage tuning guitars and so anyway uh she's back um the story we have uh we've we've condensed we've added it's a whole new beginning I can't wait for you to see the beginning it's like ah and uh uh the songs are amazing um I think it's uh our Amy uh Amy uh, Tinkham, who's our director, she is just amazing. We've been talking to all our department heads and it's very exciting. So it opens in September and will run through Christmas. And um, I think it's really special. I do, it's called uh, My Window. (laughs) Okay, can I just um, manifest something? I think Linda, that you guys are gonna have to open up a little bit space of space on that shelf behind you because I'm feeling there might be a Tony Award. In- I think there's going to be. I'm so proud of this. I'm so proud of her. And I think it'll be amazing. And what is it like? Because you guys do such a beautiful job working together. Like the things that you've created, even during COVID. I oh. mean, everybody in this entire country was so in awe of what you created during COVID, which was your Etheridge TV. Oh, that was really and you did that together right and but how you know it takes something special i feel to work together with your partner like beck and i do on so many things but how has that deepened your relationship even to be able to create together and and build I mean, together 
with that that little garage uh, that turned into a studio. It just and again, I, I was a spoiled TV lady. You know, give me a camera crew, give me this, give me that. She is such a beautiful nerd and geek. She was on the ground as we're hooking up cameras. I was like, oh, this is never going to work. She goes, it's going to work. We'll figure it out. She figured out a way to, to stream these cameras. And these cameras, uh, Siri, usually in multicam, you have three cameras that move. You know, you can always tell a multicam show because there's a live audience, right? In single camera, like Nurse Jackie, you have at the most two cameras, okay? Uh, you have your main camera and then someone may be picking up a B-side of something. Well, uh, we had seven cameras set up in the smallest space I've ever had. And it was a blast. We had we had a, a, a one camera on the computer when we set up the computer and when I was uh, switching cameras for her. And then we had a camera over the piano so if she was singing piano, it was looking right at her. Because these little cameras are cool. You can click them on to anything. We had our, our own Sony uh, and our, our own, uh, oh, I forget what, a Panasonic that were our family cameras that we used to take family movies with. And then we had uh, over by the drums and then over by her uh, keyboard. And then we had one, I always wanted to see what it looked like when she, so I called it guitar cam. So I put one on the edge of her oh, guitar wow. fret and so you could see, and it was just like breaking all the rules. Uh, we didn't, you know, it was COVID, it was crazy. I didn't know what to do lighting wise. So I just got, I got big, uh, oh, I thought they were still in here, uh, big painter lights. And I got uh, the, the, the tan or the, the brown baker sheets, you know, wax paper and just put it over theirs and gave a nice glow. And it's like, okay, that'll do. And we found some other fun little things and we had all our memorabilia. So just decorating the whole set with her and, 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 and it was a blast. I mean, it, it is a joy to, to listen to her play and that's the healing too. And that was like, Oh, wow. This is so honest and so healing. And, uh, and, and plus we had a, you know, a chat on the side. So I could see Etheridge Nation. It meant everything and the, to see them. We love Etheridge Nation and to connect with everybody and 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 uh, and that they got to know you. And it's just like, oh, and I'm excited because like last night, um, Melissa opened at the, you know, she did the Ryman in Nashville and this young woman named Jax, uh, Jax Hollow. Oh my God, she got to open for Melissa. And this is a young girl that used to busk and play for tips in a hat outside of the Ryman. And she was just saying, this is my dream come true. And, and Etheridge Nation gave her a standing ovation. It was like, they've done it. It's just beautiful. So I feel like we're all doing this for each other, finding something that works and going, hey, look at this, you know? And connecting people and especially during COVID, like you provided this healing space for everyone where locked up in our homes, we could all connect and connect over something that was you know bringing joy and love and healing and what you did was extraordinary and we beck and i feel so blessed to have for you bringing us in to meet etheridge nation where now they've become a huge part of our lives with we love they're just it's meant to it's meant to grow and grow and grow you know it is and i just so look forward to all the amazing work we're going to do together um i know this is only 
the beginning. Linda, what is, you know, for people out there, if you could think about one to three things that have changed your life, like whether it's an idea or a belief or something, what would those things be? I would say, um, you know, it's funny, four things come to mind because I Good. just always think the four agreements, you know? Beautiful, yes. I'll tell you, do not take anything personal. Do not make assumptions. Mm -hmm. Always do your best and be impeccable with your word. Yes. I, I just, I'm, that, that book changed my life and it just put it in a, in an organizing principle that my mind, body, and spirit could understand. And um, yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I feel great to put myself first now every day. And you know what, on that note, I've got a question for you. Um, could we do this again, like soon? Because I'm on this, like, I would love to even check in with you once a week if we could, because I'm on this health journey now that I'm finding really interesting and I'm learning even more about myself. And I would just love to kind of, to keep my, it, it's a loving thing to do for myself to know, oh, I'm gonna check in with Siri and kind of, and everybody and say, hey, this is what's going on. That would help me so much. Could, could we do that? One million percent. What a gift. That would, that, that would be a gift for me. Thank that you. would be a gift for everyone. And Linda, so on that note, what are the things like, you know, I know what my non-negotiables are every day, and that is my gratitude practice, my workout, getting out, moving, yes. and drinking a ton of water like you. We, we are on that same thing. What are your non-negotiables on this health journey, journey back to, you know, the health you dream of having already? I mean, you're doing... Un amazing you guys linda has been through a lot and to see you here vibrant energized glowing like your brilliant beautiful wise self makes me so happy but i know that you still feel like you've got healing to do so what are your non-negotiables as far as moving towards that every single day okay for me right now those are um the moment I come to consciousness in the morning is that it's a loving thought. It is a yes. loving thought. It is a loving filter and it is, it is love and, and it is, it is love to start the vibe that way. Amen. Uh, second is, is to take my walk every day. Um, I couldn't for a couple of days there cause I was going through a foot issue, but I just moving and just touching trees and just the gratitude. I mean, it's just, oh, it's just, uh, that it's, it's just having, having gratitude for a tree that's just standing there, you know, it's just in the horses. It's just like, it's just, it's everything. So that, and, and I know now, well, two more is, is sleep, sleep and water for me are non-negotiable. I have to, have to. Agree. Yeah. I agree. So that's great too. I mean, everybody listening, this is amazing advice. These are the things Linda's doing every day. These are the things I'm doing every day. What are the things you will do every single day that will give you the confidence and certainty to know that you are moving towards everything that you want versus further away? And I promise it is, 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 it's as simple as a filter like a, a, or a focus on a camera. If your focus every day is just loving and positive, it is going to be a whole, if you ever wake up with dread, 
It's just go back to sleep and then wake up again and reboot, reboot, reboot. Yes. And yeah. ask yourself the question, how can I love myself today? How can I love the people around me or the animals around me today? What can I do today that I love? How can I feel love? Like it, 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 that way you can, if you don't know what that is, ask yourself these questions and then that you will guide yourself to feeling more love. You have Absolutely. to come first. And, and the moment, again, I think maybe this is the writer in me, but I think I think uh, America since COVID has been writing really bad soap opera. Okay, everything's very dramatic. Everything is very dire. Everything, no, everybody lighten up. It is, not, it is, it's nothing serious going on here. It's supposed to be creation. Hey, if if global warming is scary, how exciting! We're all going to find a solution for it. You know, yes. be excited for things. There's nothing doomsday. There's no politician or person that can that can affect your day unless you let it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. amen. Linda, I love you. I love mm -hmm. Melissa with all my soul. My wife loves you with all her soul. We feel so blessed. And I want to thank you so much for giving the gift of you to Ooh. my amazing listeners who I adore and I'm so thankful for. Um, we're going to do this again. Okay. And I cannot wait to not only witness the amazing things you and Melissa do separately and together and to be there at the Broadway show oh, and, both shine, and also the things that we're going to do together, yes. um, bringing love, healing, light into the world. Love and light to my colostomy, uh, the colonoscopy. colonoscopy. And so uh, full of love. I've never had Full one. of love. Oh, piece of cake. Guess, you know what? You're going to have a great little nap. Yep. And yep. You're gonna feel so light and that's why I think we free. should talk next week and I can share my experiences. Yes. That? <laughs> that sounds awesome. Okay. Linda, thank you. We love you and I can't wait to have you again on the show. But I can't, well, I'm coming back. See, I already invited myself. So there you go. You're amazing. I love you so much. Thank yeah. you everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Linda. We love, love you, you mm -hmm. and live life with love only everybody thanks everyone thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me please remember to subscribe and to leave me a review you can find me on instagram at siri lindley facebook siri lindley and twitter at selts s-e-l-t-s you can also reach me via email at info at have an amazing day and shine on.